You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly in the Hall. This week, I have a great conversation with Magnolia Park. Despite the fact that they only have six songs released, and a new one coming later this month, the band has quickly amassed a strong following. With a unique mix of pop-punk, emo, hip-hop, and straight-pop music, and an eye for Spotify and YouTube, Magnolia Park is certainly a band on the rise. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to let everyone know about a contest that I'm running. All you have to do is head on over to the pinned tweet at twitter.com slash flyonthecallpod. Like and retweet it tagging your favorite guest or a band you think I should talk to. Then, if you're financially able to, reply to the tweet with a screenshot of a donation to a charity of your choice. There are two great options mentioned later in this episode, the Black Trans Travel Fund and COVID Bailout. If you're not financially able to, reply to the tweet tagging your favorite band whose lineup is in some way diverse. Everyone who enters will receive a Fly on the Call sticker of their choosing. Five winners will get both stickers plus a keychain. And one lucky winner will receive all that plus a prize pack that includes Hoffman Manor by State Lines and Farewell by Another Musician on Vinyl, the CD box set of Telethon's The Grand Spontanean, and a cassette of With Time by Virginity. This contest ends Saturday, July 11th, so be sure to get right on it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Magnolia Park. Joe and I play drums. I'm Tristan, I play guitar. I'm Josh and I do vocals. I'm Freddie and I play guitar. I'm Jared and I play bass. Awesome. Um, I read in um, an article in one of like the interviews that you've done in the past um, that kind of the name Magnolia Park came from, you know, sort of like late night car adventure um, that ended up in Magnolia Park. And I feel like that sounded like the perfect story for a podcast. So uh, I'd love to hear some additional details on that. Yeah, so um, basically we're all together doing a car ride and um, Freddie, uh, he's really not good at directions and we always use his car to transport. So basically we took a wrong turn and we ended like 40 minutes away from where we're supposed to be um, in Winter Garden. And we ended up in this place called Magnolia Park. Um, and as we were pulling into where we saw the sign, Freddie almost like crashed into the sign because he was driving too fast. And he said he couldn't see, he couldn't hear directions. He <laughs> um, can't turn tell his left from right. So it's like some crazy stuff. But yeah, that's basically, we ended up just like lost at this place called Magnolia Park. And it's where the band started, where we were like, fuck it, let's do it. So... <laughs> Nice. And uh, like what kind of prop, like what stage of the band were you at uh, when you were like, kind of thinking about and came up with the band name? 
Uh, we we're at like the infancy. Like this band to this day is only uh like a year in, and that was like, um, I I think we we're just like uh showing Josh uh some demos because he was in a uh, band uh that me and Frey were recently in and like helping him out with. So mm-hmm. we're just uh, playing him some stuff, and then he like he was down once. Like it was just like a bonding moment, and we we're like it it felt right to like be a band together. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the fact that you've only been a band for about a year and a half. Um, and I feel like it seems like um, everything that you've done with the band is like, it seems very intentional and like you're, you know, it's really like thought out about the way you're presenting yourself and stuff. Um, what was the kind of mindset that you had going into the band and how have you kind of, you know, kept it, kept pushing forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know to speak for everyone, but um, going in, we wanted to, make uh some music that connected with people because uh listening to bands like movements and uh neck deep and how their songs like speak about uh mental issues and like stuff that's going on with the world and that really connected to us and we wanted to have an impact like that on audience our audience members and our listeners because i feel like that's a really like positive thing you can do with your life so that was definitely like our biggest intention it seems like you definitely um, have like approached the band as kind of like something that you want to make full time kind of as quick as possible. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about how that's like affected um, the band and like the way you handle it? The way we handle our band? Yeah, I mean, from the start, I mean, like the band kind of started off mostly it's me and Tristan. And we knew, we've been in bands before, so we knew kind of how being in a band works from being in previous bands. So when we started this one, we were like, we're going to treat this as if we're already signed. And I think that really helped us. A lot of stuff that helps us is also Spotify. Without Spotify, we wouldn't nearly be like as popular as we are, if you want to use popular. But Spotify, playlisting, messaging people, all that stuff really helps us. Taking like nice promos, trying to have like the best content we could possibly have. Yeah, basically, uh, we just wanted to like we felt like we had good enough music and we took the time to all like grind it out and um obviously that affected the way uh like we basically had to change like members and like work things out uh like while we're like releasing music and stuff because we uh we didn't decide to wait to release music and shoot music videos we were like let's just go into it and take this seriously as possible but um we've been behind the scenes lately with like covid and we added some great band, new band members who like have really pushed us forward. And we've been working with some great producers uh, like Andrew Wade, uh, who's worked with a day member and, and neck deep, one of our favorite bands. So luckily he was in Orlando. So we invested a lot of money to take this as seriously as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, you talked about the quality of the content. I mean, even just the fact that there has been a music video for every single song you've released so far is you know, something that not a lot of bands can say. Um, what is it you kind of like about the, the format of a music video that um, appeals to you? Um, it, it's basically, um, we want to have like an image that goes with the song or like tell a story that matches the song. Usually when um, me, Freddie and Josh like uh, create a song and talk about the lyrics, we're already talking about videos, especially Josh being a videographer. I don't know if you want to, to chime into that he always comes with ideas uh yeah i mean whenever it comes down to it i have to look at the fact that people love watching youtube people love watching stuff on instagram and facebook and 
that's just another marketing tool for us to get more people involved in our music and our cause if they have visuals that really mean something to us to show our own personalities into the world, I would say. Mm -hmm. And um, just the fact that we can write lyrics and automatically have visuals for them is a big key to what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing that stands out is kind of like the lyricism and, you know, kind of the fact that um, I feel like there's like a lot of influences that I can see in the band, um, most of which are probably ones that I feel like aren't even necessarily in the ballpark. Um, what are some of like the, the major influences that you've had and how have you, how has it been for you kind of blending all the different sounds that you do? Well, yeah, the great thing about this band is like we all come from different backgrounds of music. Um, me, I come from like an R&B and hip hop inspired world. So I'm really influenced um, by the newer generation, like Lil Peep, uh, Juice World, people like that. And I'm also influenced by uh, old and new R&B, like uh, Tory Lanez and like uh, Marvin Gaye. Like that's always been in my life and uh, played in my family. And for instance, Freddie's came from uh, like the math rock scene. Uh, yeah, like post hardcore bands like Dance Gavin Dance, Circus Survive. Um, that's another good one. Hail to Sun is also another really good band. Those are people who like really affected the way I view music and write music. Yeah, and like with me, it's more like I'm more of a rap and pop punk background. So like Mayday Parade, Kendrick Lamar, um, All Time Low, Pierce Seville, all these guys like really helped me a lot. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know you through um, kind of, like, the more, like, the DIY pop-punk type scene, um, but given the fact that you are blending in, like, the, the rap and the hip-hop and, you know, kind of all these other sounds that don't necessarily fall quite into, like, the typical, like, emo DIY, um, like, as far as the way you present your music, was that kind of, did you choose the scene that has that has embraced you, or did the scene kind of choose you? Was it kind of like the type of people that naturally fell in into line with the music that you're making? Yeah, well, we started uh, like our intention was to make pop punk music. Um, our first song, Patience, was like we we loved uh, Neck Deep and like emo emo bands like that. Real friends, and yeah, everything. yeah, real friends definitely. And we were like, let's make music like that. And then as we got better and progressed and like we wanted to craft our own sound and we found out like the new like emo rapper scene and uh, the hip hop scene is like deeply rooted in what we were doing. And we felt connected to that being like our age is like 21, 22. So we're like, okay, let's, let's try and make our own thing. Cause we see these individuals doing that, but we feel like we can take it even further being like a band and having a unique sound. So that's where our newest song outside uh, like really came into play in our future music too. We wanted to have our own unique sounds, blending mm-hmm. elements of R and B, hip hop, and pop punk. For sure. Yeah. And have have you seen those communities kind of like embrace you similarly? Uh yeah, for sure. Act, uh, the when we came out, um, we were embraced by the pop punk community like right away, and it was a good feeling. And we had no idea like so many amazing bands like uh, Mimi at the Altar, uh, Felicity. Um, bands like that were just like killing it already and we were embraced by a community of like pop punk because it's such a tight-knit group and they really support each other like we try to all support each other going through this uh, battle like upcoming artists so it's really cool Mm -hmm. for sure yeah and I mean 
obviously this question uh, takes COVID out of the picture, but I'm curious, do you like, you, you were talking about Spotify and we've been talking about like the music videos and all like the kind of content creation behind the scenes, but do you see yourselves as um, a touring band once everything kind of settles? Like, is that something that you would prefer to be or would you rather be more like studio based and online based? Um, I think that for us, like we kind of have, we want a mixture of both. Like we want to experience that tour of life. We want to like actually meet our fans and embrace the people who have embraced us in the scene. Um, but at the same time, we also love being in the studio. We also love creating new stuff. So I think like a big mix would be like the next thing, big thing for us. Yeah, the, the benefit of somehow we live in Orlando and like one of the biggest studios for pop punk and like metal, uh, the audio compound is actually like right here. Um, with uh, amazing producers uh, like Andy and Andrew, they they embrace locals even though they don't have to. Um, they always like help out their scene because they're they're working big time, which is just a benefit for us. So we get to use that studio and their songwriting knowledge to our benefit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like you all kind of like embrace the creative aspect of things and the kind of importance of working with outside collaborators. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about like that, the role of collaboration within the band? Uh, uh, yeah, or Freddie, you want to take over? Yeah. So, like, we all we all write songs individually, but what makes our songs like really great is the fact that we'll write something and then we'll present it to each other. And if we like it, then we take it in as a group. So like Joe will take the drums and he'll rewrite them and make them a lot better. And then we'll hand over the bass to Jared and he'll add his, his bits and pieces. And then Josh will like create better vocal melodies than the ones that me and Tristan can. And then we all come together and also help with the lyrics. And all that really makes the song great. Like without them, like, the song's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like that kind of aspect of your band specifically is kind of part of what leads to all of these, you know, kind of like little moments of, you know, dip, like kind of like a different so- sound than what you're expecting to hear that like kind of come in and then just, you know, do what they're doing and then leave for a minute. Um, like, can you talk about that process of creating those, you know, those little moments throughout the songs? Yeah, so uh, basically... Uh, when we uh, started, like, for instance, outside, we wanted to create, a, a, like, build off a feeling um, of, like, we are going for something that was going to be a definitely different than that hip-hop uh, route. So we wanted to create this feeling in the intro. I remember uh, sitting there. I was actually listening to, like, Taking Back Sunday and, like, finding out what chords they used to get that feeling, like, searching through records, like, uh, kind of how, like, uh, uh, like back in the day, they used to sample hip hop records. I wanted to flip like an old riff and get that feeling. And then uh, I brought it to Freddie, and then he made it into more of a, a beat sounding thing. And then brought it to Josh, and he brought that R and B kind of feel to it. So we created, we built this feeling like step by step. Well, a lot of the the lyrics um, in the songs are kind of like you know tend to be more introspective and kind of like looking at yourself and the ways you've changed or need to change um, and like how you fit into the world. Um, what is it that you're kind of like trying to say with the lyrics um, and like kind of how have you found the audience receptive to the messages? So uh, for our first song, patience, uh, me and Josh wrote, wrote that together, and we wanted to have like in, like you said an introspective feeling. Um, and just like 
tell the experience that we had and like how to get through it. Like, well, throughout the lyrics, we're like, how can, uh, how, how do we tell the story of going through like this relationship and how it felt? And, um, uh, the, when we released it, I remember the day of like, um, this was like one of the best feelings ever when some random person messaged us on uh, Twitter said, Hey, uh, your song patience really means a lot to me. I'm going through something similar and it connects the audience. It starts to grow and grow like that for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I think that was the first, that was the first time that like, I've seen someone cover some of something of us. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, Whenever we write songs, especially whenever it's more of a introspective feeling, we want it to be just that, introspective. We want the fact that the world can listen to a song and look into themselves and have a certain feeling. And um, I'm pretty sure, I, I've, I'm thinking that we've done a good job of that so far. <laughs> having other people kind of like look into themselves as they're listening to the song and it helps them connect a lot more. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, another one of the kind of little things that stood out to me was the the sampled quote at the start of Pumpkin Eater. Um, that's kind of, you know, talking, it's, um, I, I believe it was a rabbi's like explanation of, you know, what true love is and kind of the difference between, you know, loving, uh, the, the example he uses was like eating a fish. You're saying you're eating it because you love it, but it's actually like you loving yourself. Um, could you talk a little bit about the kind of like background behind choosing that quote and how it fits into the song? Yeah. So uh, when I was writing lyrics for that song, um, I was uh, going back to the time when I was going through like, a, to be honest, like a toxic relationship um, where uh, you basically want, like this person wanted to hold on to something um, to, to be a little graphic about it, like threatening suicide. If like you left a, a person or just being like very, like you don't really like, uh, love a person you just uh, want to use them and therefore you don't gain so when I heard that quote just like search on YouTube I felt like it resonated with me because I I felt like I've gone through that experience and I listened to that whole like uh, that whole like uh, interview with the rabbi and it just connected with me so I felt like adding that sample however I could would resonate with the listener and the audience and the message I wanted to convey through the layers too I also uh, referenced uh, a Frank Ocean song um that also has to do with the same thing being like introspective about a, a, like a toxic relationship so and i mean another thing that i kind of noticed uh just kind of coming through things um i'm kind of like a geek about meticulous details of bands discographies and i noticed that on um Bandcamp that hangover heavens now listed as like the fifth track on vacant uh, rather than being a standalone single and i'm just curious if there's like any reasoning behind that well uh, there's not like a major uh, reasoning um, as, as like kind of said earlier, we're like such a new band that uh, our, our first EP vacant um, was kind of a rush to put out because we wanted to, we had the pumpkin near music video. Uh, we had the October music video and uh, we also already finished Hanging over heaven. So it was meant to be on vacant, yeah. um, but Spotify, like, we couldn't wait to put this out. So um, for Spotify, we couldn't add it later. Mm-hmm. But uh, on Bandcamp, as a little like secret detail, I wanted to have that. Oh, this is supposed to be on this project too. So <laughs> nice, gotcha. That makes sense. Um, and I, I know in one of the interviews that I saw, um, in one of you mentioned kind of that you or that a couple of you have done 
um, kind of ghostwriting for other local bands. And uh, I feel like that's something that's not necessarily talked about, you know, collaboration on that level um, and DIY. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like your experiences with that and, you know, how you kind of approach it? Yeah, um, mostly, um, uh, instead of using the term ghostwriting, it's mostly like we collaborate with a, a lot of our friends who are in our local bands. Like, uh, for instance, our, our friends in Grief, um, which is an amazing metalcore band, like uh, that band was like closely attached to Magnolia Park. So we, uh, they used my uh, studio to write and record some songs. So I got to be in the process with them. Um, some, of course, some other uh, bands we wanted to help out and see if we could write some songs and approach some people. Um, I'm not sure like if I can like say any like specific names, but um, uh, we, we like collaborating with other bands and musicians because uh, we come from that element of hip hop. Like it's like a community and the <laughs> pop punk community here. Is so like close knit and it, it seems to go both ways. It's just like collaboration and pushing each other to get better. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you, you talked about um, Spotify kind of driving the release of the initial EP. I'm curious how that's kind of, you know, affecting the steps forward as well. Like what, what are your kind of plans for what's next? We actually have a song coming out uh, on July 24th. It's called Sick and Roll. Uh, usually uh, we have to wait six weeks to wait for a release because uh, when you pitch to Spotify, which is a great platform for up and coming artists like us because they put us on editorials Discover Weekly Playlist. Um, so to get on those editorials, uh, we have to pitch it to them. It usually takes like six weeks. So we have a, we have a plan in place that's revolving around uh, like Spotify that's we're gonna release a song every six weeks and hopefully like build our fan base um, off of that because editorials are honestly like the new radio station mm-hmm. where like hundreds of thousands to millions of people are tuning into your song and, and they discover you. We, we have like so many new fans because of that. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's definitely um, a, a different way of thinking, even within the, like the younger crowd in the music industry in some ways. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts of, you know, what type of fan you get off of a playlist versus you would potentially get off of, you know, like releasing an album and you like something that people can dig into more. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, in today's uh, like climate for music, people have like lower attention spans and don't really want to sit through like a whole album or like a whole like 14 song, whatever kind of project. So it's easier for uh, upcoming bands to release singles. Um, So at least people will check it out. Even if it's the first 30 seconds, you never know uh, who you who you grab. And we have actually had a lot of great fans that just like uh, message us, hey, I found your song on our Discover weekly playlist and you guys are amazing and like we get to engage with them. That way we get to update our fans on what's going on when we have new music or a show on Spotify too. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a great way to like stay connected with your audience. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, how does that kind of affect the way you approach your writing or the frequency of it and stuff? Um, well, it makes us want to write more music because like Tristan was saying, releasing singles is the way to do it these days. That's how you're going to generate the most amount of fans. So the more and more you write, the closer you are to writing that really great song and then you can record it and put it out and hopefully you'll blow up. Or at least get more fans than you had before, more followers. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you seem to be like in the middle of that kind of 
another push for writing. Um, have you found it to be uh, where things come out more as standalone pieces or do they feel like they're part of, you know, something that would eventually become an album if that was the direction you decided to choose? Uh, well, we've been working uh, at Audio Compound. So um, we did some single song sessions as well as some multiple song sessions. <laughs> and uh, we've been able to kind of take the cream of the crop, where we think all of these songs are solid. They need to be released as singles. They need a music video or a visual. Mm -hmm. And um, we are planning on releasing a project next year um, with these like collections of singles we've been working on. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a hybrid of um, doing singles, but still being able to put it as a project and still having it sound cohesive and together for sure yeah i mean that, that's really cool that to know that you already have that in mind as well i mean how is it sort of approaching the project with the, your thoughts that far into the future um so so basically um i think that's the way like every band and like artists thinks already like that's that wants to do this like professionally you gotta think ahead and plan ahead because uh uh, like for instance, if you want to shoot a music video and you're waiting on a mix for a song, you have to like time it right. Sometimes a mix for a song can take up to like four to five months, and then like in between that, you want to shoot the music video with like the rough of your song. So you have to kind of plan ahead, uh, like a year in advance. We like to do a year in advance. Some artists do it like two to two to five years in advance, just to, like have a plan. And of course, you adjust like accordingly of what's happened. What can we do more? And like, um. So yeah, that's just like re having a, a plan, a purpose, and like a meaning behind uh, your art is always important. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, kind of having the backup plans for things that you don't anticipate. How has COVID kind of affected everything for the band? Um, to be honest, it affected us like a crazy amount. Um, we were actually going to play at the House of Blues. Like it was going to be, oh, wow. uh, and we we're going to do that with uh, like a new single and everything. Um, but that got pushed back. It was like the worst luck. We were like so hyped for this amazing show and we were like, it was going to be our comeback. But um, it, was felt, it felt like it was meant to be because basically um, in Florida, they didn't have like uh, like strict laws on like you, you can't like go out or whatever because it's Florida. So we kind of <laughs> did for like two months. Yeah, for like two, for like two months, yeah. which like um, we worked around that. Yeah, we worked around that and like got in the studio uh, like follow like social distancing of course but uh it put us in the studio and it, it gave us like a ton of songs that we're going to come out with like later this year and into 2021. Yeah we kind of took that time just to write and to work around it and it ended up working out because we have all of our content kind of ready and we have the time ahead to plan out our releases and everything like that so. For sure yeah I mean I think that really speaks to the kind of the, the benefits of that hybrid where you're kind of like very online, but also, you know, deal with the in-person when you need to, um, or when you're able to in this case. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I always like to wrap up the episodes by just asking for something that you've been thinking about lately or a piece of advice or whatever you want to kind of just share with the audience, uh, whether it's about music or just life in general. Um, I, I guess I can start. Um, if you have a plan, if you have a dream, go for it no matter what. Um, people will, will like to, to like, 
kind of talk you down, think that like it's not worth it. But if you believe in yourself, believe that what can come out of it is what you want, anything is possible. Yeah. Let's do that for me. Uh, I mean, I would like to just uh, shout out a, a couple of organizations and uh, some bands that I think are important right now for the organization side. Uh, Black Trans Travel Fund. It helps provide Black trans women with the financial resources needed to access safer travel. Uh, the COVID bailout for uh, donations will help uh, bail for medically vulnerable people in NYC jails and, and that. And some of our great friends like uh, Mimi at the Altar, uh, Kawanashi and Grieve are some great uh, bands that are, are POC bands like us that I feel like are important to check out. Awesome. Yeah, I actually had Mimi on the altar on uh, last week's episode, and uh, yeah, they're they're fucking killing it too, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're great people. They're doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, all I want to say is I can't wait for concerts to come back. <laughs> Big facts. And I'm excited to release these new singles, music videos we're gonna drop. Um, and yeah, go out and do some shows. Hopefully, tour next year. I know um, one other thing that we really want to make apparent is that, um, you know, the world is looking pretty dark right now. We see a lot of um, injustice that's happening and we want to do our part with the platform that we do have to reach people. Um, hopefully that our music and our messages can make their days brighter, their lives shine a little more and um, that we can do our part to help all of those around us. Here we are at the end of another episode. Please check out Magnolia Park if you haven't already. Their sound is one that's easy to fall in love with and that you'll continue to find new details on in each listen. Follow them on Spotify so you're alerted as soon as they drop that new song they mentioned. And subscribe on YouTube because all of their music are seriously top quality. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. I hope you're all doing okay, and please know we're in this together. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.